0: Welcome to the CENTCAST. My name is Dale Pickles and I am the host of the CENTCAST. We started this podcast a few years ago as there was a lack of CPD around SEND. All staff in schools need training and support around SEND, but this isn't really possible with the funding available. The CENTCAST is our way to try and help solve this problem, to help all teachers to be teachers of SEND and to help all support staff be more aware of SEND. The Sendcast is also a great way to get the same consistent messages to schools and parents. Now every week on the Sendcast, we have a guest on to talk about something they are passionate about and this week we're talking about the importance of learning through play. I'm going to be discussing this with my guest Georgina Durrant. Georgina is a private tutor for children with SEND and the founder of the amazing SEN Resources blog. Now the Sencast is produced by us here at B-Squared and over the last 25 years B-Squared have supported schools to support students with SEND. We help schools show the small steps of progress pupils with SEND make. Over the last few years we have started to deliver high quality easy access training and CPD for schools around SEND. We do this through our online CPD offering training for education. This started two years ago with a virtual Send conference, but now includes an amazing lineup of speakers delivering sessions at our conferences, or they've developed their own training courses. You can find out more about our conferences and training courses and who delivers them by going to the Training for Education website, www.trainingforeducation.com. And at the end of this episode, I'll be sharing an exclusive Sendcast discount code, so please keep listening. Now, let's get on with the podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing the importance of learning through play. My guest is Georgina Durant. Georgina is the founder of the award-winning SEN Resources blog, author of 100 Ways Your Child Can Learn Through Play, and tutor for children with SEND. Welcome to the show, Georgina.
1: Hello, thank you for having me, Dale.
0: Oh, you're welcome. When we think of play, we generally think of early years, foundation stage, you know, nursery, reception, things like that. But play doesn't have to stop as they get older, does it?
1: No, absolutely not. I think play is fundamental for a lot of children. I think we need to stop separating out play and learning as two separate things when, in fact, for children, learning is actually play.
0: Yep, definitely. And I think also think adults as well, we yep. like to play as well.
1: Good for us too. It's yeah, very therapeutic for us and we mustn't forget that as well.
0: No. But, yeah, I think I think you do, yeah, you separate learning. If you think about play fun, learning boring, learning Victorian, learning sit at desks. <laughs> and um, there was an announcement today in the news I was reading, and it just it was about the catch-up and funding and extending the day. And it just seemed to be like, need to teach more and more and train teachers to teach more. And I'm going, that might not be the best thing. And at one point it did say sort of um that well being. Yeah. And there's a wider aspect. Children have spent the last year just staring at a screen.
1: Absolutely. With
0: no interaction. We need to do almost the opposite for the next six months of lots of interaction, lots of learning through doing. Yes. Rather than learning through sitting and reading.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's been so much stress and worry about children missing out academically. And whilst that will be true, there's bound to be a lot of children who probably have missed out academically because of the pandemic. I think the bigger thing is play. Children have missed playing with their grandparents. They've missed playing with their friends. They've missed playing in their garden with their friends, going to sleepovers, residentials, all of these things that are fundamental and really, really important to young children, or well, and children alike, and they miss them, and it's these social skills that they develop through playing. There's it's a whole vast range of skills that they've missed out from not being able to just play, and I think that needs to be the thing we're focusing on and we need to really help children with this and help families provide opportunities and schools to provide opportunities for children to be able to just play and have fun and bring back that childhood that some of them have missed.
0: I think with play, when you think about it is often very young children, they play next to each other, don't they? They play next to each other. I'm playing my train, you're on my, you're on the track, home, but completely separate. And they crash and get annoyed with each other. And they work out how to compromise and play with each other. But generally. You'll be playing one way and you'll see a child do something else, and you you just go, Oh, never thought of that. <laughs> oh. So you get lots of different things and you get lot you find out lots of things to try. You see new ways of doing things, you find you, you get introduced to new things. So you might be playing with your toy and you see someone else with something else, and you're going, What's that? That looks cool. I want that. So over the last year, by not having any of that, yeah they've not really developed in new experiences or trying new things they've just for a year stayed with the same
1: yeah absolutely yeah and i think new experiences is really important isn't it and it can help with all sorts of things like speech and language for example and communication skills by experiences we don't mean you know you don't have to take your kid to the zoo every day (laughs) it doesn't have to be amazing experiences but just new things like taking your kids for a walk through a a wood for example that can be brilliant it gives them so many new things to talk about they might have seen a ladybird crawl up a tree or you know they might have tried balancing on a log and learned how to problem solve navigating that there's so much they can learn from new experiences and within the restraints that we've got at the moment we still need to be allowing for these and I think schools need to be allowing for these opportunities as best they can so that kids are learning through these
0: yes and my my daughter's school when they were in reception every friday morning without fail whatever the weather they went down to the local woods so parents were invited you got your wellies on you went out in the rain and you went down to the local woods and it was always the teachers always had something they prepared
1: yeah
0: and you'd walk to this section i never knew i can never never saw the teacher sneak off but they must have snuck off at some point and put little fairy doors down on trees or or put little fairies at the bottom of trees or and things like that. So generally you went there and we always went to the tree, the big tree. And the teacher would always say, what do you hear? <laughs> and the teacher would say, "What's they hear? And they say, well, I, I I think there's some lost fairies. We need to rescue them. Oh. We need to find the fairies, everyone. <laughs> and then they go off and somebody goes, I've got one. And all the kids would run over to this child who's looking at his little thing and they found, and then all the other children going, there are here quick and then they'd shoot off and they'd find and they're like well what we're going to do and they're like we need to build them houses they do all this stuff and their imagination and they're working together and then the following week they'd probably do some writing based on that and that's the thing i think people it gives you so much inspiration so all they're seeing that ladybird or seeing that the experiences go into the into that writing that creativity the inspiration so without that you're gonna really struggle,
1: yeah, and I think there's only so many, you know, the YouTube clips that they've had to be watched during like home learning. There's only so many of them, and they, you know, the, the teachers have done an amazing job, don't get me wrong. There was no other way around it, and it's been fantastic what they've provided children over the pandemic. But yeah, it's it doesn't replace real life experiences, does it? And it, it no. and like you say, it doesn't have to be anything big. And that ladybird, you could. From seeing that, you can weave in literacy, like you said. They could do some writing about it afterwards. You could weave in some numeracy. You could talk about how many spots it's got, how many ladybirds you've got. You could work, you could even do times tables. You could have a few ladybirds and work out how many spots are on one, how many on another, add them together. Oh, look, you've got so many. You're
0: looking at science and the, where they live and the habitats. You're literally looking at so many things. Their food is huge. There's
1: all these opportunities, isn't there?
0: Yes, definitely. And I think when, I, when you think of... Story writing. Mm-hmm. Some, sometimes people, and it's again, when, I, when we were at school, they did these wood walks all the way through up to year six, less frequent, but they still did them because it was a, the kids loved it and it was great. And obviously the activities change as they got older. But some parents felt they should be doing worksheets, they should be doing times tables, they should be doing, that's what I did at school. And you've got these almost traditional views come out from parents and you're literally going, did you not see? how much fun your child had. Do you not listen to the stories your child was telling you? And when you think of story writing, you always, you've you that structure. Yeah. And so if you say to your child, what did you do this weekend? A younger child will just blurt out some random things that happened. And you're like, we saw a ladybird and then we went for a walk and then completely in the wrong order.
1: Yeah.
0: Whereas when you actually start having experiences, they start getting an order and a sequence, which is then going to help with that story writing. there's just there's so many benefits
1: there's actually in my book there's one activity for if you're taking a child on a walk and the idea that you could then take photographs of the different things and you can help them to work out like the logical progression of the way the story works so you could you know take photos throughout your whole journey and then when you get home you could print the photographs off and you could perhaps share them with a, a grandparent or something and the child could then chat through all the different things they saw in the order that they saw them, and be able to retell that story that perhaps they wouldn't have been able to without that camera and without that that experience to do it. And that could help them develop sort of speech and language, develop that side of things by chatting to their grandparents about what happened and the different stages. And it's so, Like you say, it's so much more exciting, isn't it, than a worksheet and, and just sitting there, sequ- you know, cutting out some different things and sticking out the sequence of a story. It's not as exciting as re- living it yourself. And I think we've got to remember anyone who writes a story, like, a you know, a novelist, they go and experience these things, don't they? They do research and they experience them yeah. themselves. We can't expect children to go to do story writing without experiencing little bits of this themselves.
0: And it is, a play is that multi-sensory. So, again, a big difference is you're walking it you're seeing it you're hearing it you might have to have their feelings what was, that, what was that noise what was that noise oh should we be scared And this, all these things go in whereas when you're just sticking things out you're not really engaged as soon as you're in the woods you are so engaged and we did a podcast a long time ago with ang Harold welsh on verbal reasoning mm-hmm. i didn't understand at the beginning of the podcast I'm like, i don't know what this is mm-hmm. and as she explained to me i went ah oh, this makes so much sense and it's the idea of the different levels and getting up to that ver- that level four which is really abstract sort of what did you do at the weekend and being able to just say this is what we did the order we did it in and that lot that's a lot of skill i didn't realize how complicated that is so she thought well actually you can sit there and give them the visual um the photographs is actually simplifying that and it's bringing it down it's, been, it's scaffolding it helping them to get to that level four and it was just a really fascinating podcast where I learned so much.
1: Processing all that information and remembering it's, it's too much to do, isn't it, in one go for a little child? It's remembering what you've seen, how to order it, which order it came in, and then actually being able to communicate it back out and say the different things that you've seen and the order you saw it in. Yeah, it's huge. Like you say, so normally, you scaffold it. it can really help. Yeah
0: normally they say it in order to the favorite bit then the second favorite bit then the third favorite bit well, and you, had, you might...
1: that really important thing you've done with them like we took we took our children to um alton park race course the other weekend and you could do we just went in our family car and you could drive around the race course and it was brilliant wow. Not fast or anything you had to go at 40 miles an hour and you had cars behind you but it was so much fun we had a brilliant time anyway i asked my eldest what he told school on monday about his news and that didn't feature <laughs> You know, had a pandemic of very, lots of restrictions, not being able to do very much, but that didn't feature in his news. And I think that just shows, doesn't it, for us, we sort of order things in priority of the big things that happen and children don't see it very much like that. But even though it was a huge thing and he absolutely adored it, it wasn't big enough to talk about, or he couldn't remember to talk about it. And that's fine.
0: (laughs) Or you go up to London on the train, you go somewhere, you do something amazing, and then you go for lunch and you do all this and you get back. And what do they tell you? I got a giraffe with my lunch.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Anything else happened? No. No. Just, I got a giraffe with my lunch. (laughs) That was a highlight. And you're like, that could have been such a cheaper day.
1: Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) But
0: later on, I find they do remember. They do. And um, my colleague, Jordan, has a daughter. I played his daughter in an evil way, the duck song. Have you heard of the duck song?
1: have, yes.
0: On YouTube? Mm Mm-hmm. There's a video and there's le- different levels. There's various, I played that to her going, he's going to kill me because he's going to hate this song.
1: Not when you, want your kids to be keeping on saying, is it over and over again, yeah.
0: yeah. So I played it to her going, oh, he's good. And there went nothing, nothing. And Then like a year later, she said to him, can you play that duck song? He's said, what duck songs, duck song Dale showed me, but it was in there.
1: Yeah.
0: And at some point a year later, it's come out.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that Alton Park, one day he will, he will bring that up at school and it will be a brilliant memory and he will tell everybody how fantastic the the day was. But yes.
0: he might not even realise, it's something about racing. Like, I have, I've driven around there and they're like, no, you haven't. It's like, <laughs> no, we got in the car and we did this. And he'll sort of sit there and then we are go, wow. And he'll sit there and go, that was a big thing. Yeah. Because sometimes you don't realise when you're, when you're young. Absolutely. You just think everyone does the same. Everyone has the same experiences. And then you actually realize as you get older, perhaps not everyone did. And some of the stuff you've done, yeah. you didn't really like or appreciate. But now we did a lot of camping when we were young. And all my friends went on, on like foreign holidays down to Spain. I went camping with my parents and <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But actually, I love camping now. I really like it. And I've been to Spain a few times and it's, yeah, it's warm, but yeah, I, I can miss it.
1: Yeah,
0: And there's other things my parents did with me. Again, I completely didn't really so i remember getting uh, we lived in south london and we'd hit traffic and we had to give me the ages Z of london and go right get us home
1: Brilliant. and i was like
0: i was in primary school and he said we're near catford and they're like okay and we'd get it out and i'd work it out and i literally i spent a good my dad obviously knew where he was yeah but it was my responsibility Brilliant. to get us home and wherever i sent we would go he would go Obviously he'd that are you sure that's the right way? And obviously he knew exactly if I went the wrong way. But <laughs> it, it was for me, it was a very much... I was leading, and it's a bit—a bit of play, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that that activity actually there's a sim- very similar one in my book about, there's, about <laughs> there's going to be a lot of this, by the way, Dale, because it's a hundred. I've
0: got a bingo card with a hundred squares on, and I'm going to see how many of your activities <laughs> I could hit.
1: You can. Yeah, like a bingo. Um, yes, yeah, so you are bound to mention some because there's a hundred activities. There's quite a lot, and there's probably some I've forgotten. But anyway, that one where you're saying working out your way home is actually one of the activities. It's called—I can't remember what I called it—but it's basically where you're in charge of the journey, but you're walking, and it's on a walk and your child has to have a go at trying to work out your way home. And I do put in there, make sure you know the way yourself, don't get yourselves lost. (laughs) But it's the idea of letting them have that control. And it makes journeys and going for a walk so much more fun. I've tried it with my own kids. My kids don't have special educational needs, but they're at the same age range that my book's pitched at. So they've tried all these activities out for me, which was very great of them. But this one is brilliant because you go on a walk and then you say, right, How would you get us home? And they're like, oh, I don't know. And then you've got to let them have a go. And they go, oh, let's try turning left. Okay, then. And then, you know, you go left with them. And then let's try going this way. And you can, through it, we learned, um, you know, lefts and rights. That was a brilliant one. Memory of trying to remember where we went wrong and where we actually ended up. All sorts of skills from it. Communication skills, because you've got to talk about which way you want them to go. And it's just everything, isn't it? And it made a journey that was a bit too long and a bit of a long walk that they perhaps wouldn't have normally wanted to do. Actually, really, really fun. And they can remember the way back now from doing
0: it. I don't find it. if you just take your children on a walk, they're not going to enjoy it. But if you say, right, we're going to go for a walk, which way do you want to go? And we've done it from quite early on, know the area pretty well. And they've gone, right, we're going to go this way. It's like, cool. We're going to go this way. Cool. And occasionally I'll go, that is a dendroid and we will come straight back here. <laughs> but other times I've gone, they go, let's go, which way? To go left. Okay, cool. Which way? Left. Okay. Which way? Go left. Okay. Which way? Are you going to go left. Okay. Which way are you going to go? left? Have we been here before? Yep, 20 minutes ago. Should we not do one of those lifts now? But yeah, you can do that. It, it is so much more fun. And they and the time where they would have moaned about that length of walk, because they're in charge, it's much more an adventure.
1: Absolutely. And it's giving them that control, isn't it? It's that, that control of the journey, them feeling, well, the feeling of the control. Perhaps we don't give them the full cool control of the journey, but the feeling of control of the journey and, yeah, making it more fun. And I've got a whole chapter in my book about, um, walks and trains and it's not just for winter it's not just for children who can physically walk as well. I mean a loose term of going for a walk. So wheelchair users, it's still accessible for, for them. It's just as in a family walk as all going somewhere together. And yeah, the idea there's loads of activities that can help make that walk a bit more fun because for us it seems like a brilliant idea going for a walk in the first twenty minutes are always bliss. But then after that when you're trying to get two children or three children home, it can be a bit of a challenge can't it and their legs are tired and they're getting hot and they need a drink and they're thirsty and they're hungry and it can ruin a beautiful family occasion so I think having some just little fun activities just in your back pocket that can help make that more enjoyable for everyone can really help so there's things like One of them is a shape search, so just when you're walking down the street looking for things that are triangles, for example, and and that really, my kids really enjoyed that, and that one's really good fun, like just thinking, oh look, that roof has got a triangle shape, and oh wow, that bush is a sort of circle shape, and look at the windows, what shape are they? Oh, they're a square, and you're weaving in some maths in there, you're getting some communication skills, and you're just making the walk a lot more bearable for them, basically.
0: you're generally getting them to be more observant. I think that's the thing with me is a lot of times my children could drift through the world looking at their feet or not actually being where they physically are. They're somewhere else completely. (laughs) Sometimes they're on the phone, but sometimes they're not on their phone, but they're just not really with you. They're just physically there, but somewhere else. I do find when you're doing these games, it makes them much more aware of where they are. Then they can recollect more because obviously paying attention. But one we've done... We did it, it was actually set as school homework, It was a couple of years ago, but It it's really good fun, was geocaching. Have you ever done that one? Yeah, brilliant. So that one, if you haven't ever heard of it, is basically around the world, there are lots of things hidden. Some of them are in a big plastic box, quite an easy one. Others are quite hard to find, they're quite specific. And basically, it's the reward is you find it. And you can say you found it and some of them you leave a present and you take something there's lots of different ways of doing it and you write in little notes some of them have little books in you write down and you can actually see that you're the 500th person to be there over the last six years we've done that before at our local and that's quite fun because again you're looking for something so rather than being behind you they're ahead they've got a phone they're looking working at which way to go and working out where to hide so again it is taking them behind you where you're dragging them to getting them in front and going for it
1: absolutely and it gives them that purpose isn't it Some, a reason to be out on that walk not just doing it because mum and dad have told them to and they yeah they feel obliged to do it as a chore but actually seeing that walks can be fun we can do stuff outside that they can enjoy it as well yeah and it's sort of like geocaching is like a big treasure hunt really isn't it it's good fun like that um you know you're looking for things and finding them there's a few activities in my book again <laughs> <laughs> um way and with like different things where you can like treasure hunts like looking for things. So there's somewhere you're just listening to things. So you can go for, you don't have to actually see see things, but you're listening to things whilst you're on a walk. So listening for a really high-pitched sound. Can you hear anything on your walk that makes a really squeaky sound? Can you hear anything that makes a low sound? And just that, I found, really, really engaging, especially if you're walking through like a wooded area or by some water, and you're listening to the sounds. And the things I heard that I had no idea were there, like the buzzing of pylons and stuff going overhead, and you thought, oh gosh, I've never even listened for that. Um, or an aeroplane going over, or the water, and just getting children to engage in their environment and be more present, like you say, I think it's really, really powerful and can help them so much more.
0: One of the things we found is because my daughters went to a specific woods with their school, it wasn't our closest woods, but we would actually go there because it actually meant my daughters could retell us things they did at school or we went here and this is where we do this. So they were then, as they walked through, they were telling us the stories. Yeah. So again, rather than going to your own woods, yeah. sort of thing, but actually going there, they're actually being really able to tell you and it's much more engaging for them and they're running ahead because again, this is the hill we rolled down or this is a hill uh, my friend fell down and hurt herself or he did this or she, and there's lots of storytelling.
1: Yeah. It's like if you ever go to your child's, when you would go to your child's school on like parents, not so much at the moment, but normally in normal pre-COVID times, when you go to like parents' evening or an open evening or you know a Christmas fair or something, that sort of pride they have when they're showing you around an environment that's theirs and not yours is wonderful. You get so much more conversation out of them, don't you? That yes it's walking into something that's not yours it's it is theirs and they can tell you this is my classroom this is where zane says this is where the library is and they get so excited and i bet it's the same with that wooded area they sort of oh, it is but you don't know an, as much about it as they do
0: <laughs> no it is they, they had certain rituals so until a couple of years ago so i think all the way through my daughter's primary there was a big wooden gate into the woods and you always climbed over the gate it was like so ducklings, it was obviously giant. ducklings is a reception year. there was a giant gate, and they would climb over it, and they're being helped. Yeah. But even those who are really scared it was like something they did. Yeah. And then as they get older, they're obviously more like just three steps and they're over. But it meant when they went there with their parents, and we would go, they'd go, "Look, I can climb over this." And it, was, it was that pride. They would show us they can climb yeah. over this gate and off they go. and it was it was so much fun just brings it to life so we're talking lots of outdoors stuff and i think probably done a lot of that during covid because we just you're allowed to go out and walk and do that but plays also you've got the indoor play yes and in school you have the water tables and things like that but cooking is not far off that isn't it yeah we am gonna divert the cooking because cooking is you've got lots of different ingredients lots of different textures and you are playing because you're mixing and breaking and melting and do all that lot.
1: Isn't
0: it? <laughs> it is, it's chemistry, it's maths. There's so much going on.
1: Yeah. Potion making.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is completely that. And that's another thing that my daughters have loved doing Yeah, is doing all that stuff, playing with different things, adapting a recipe.
1: Yeah. Not
0: always work too well, but, What else can we do indoors? What else can we do indoors when it's a rainy day? Because that's what everyone struggles with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's a chapter called rainy day in my book. So there is quite a few activities. I feel like you might have- Taking that
0: off my bingo card.
1: Yeah. Um, But yeah, there's a chapter on rainy day. There's a few different bits on indoors. So so the, the two outdoor chapters are on a walk and in the garden, but in a garden can mean any outdoor space. You don't have to have a huge garden for that. But yeah, the indoor chapters, they're the rest of them. So there's sitting still, which is sort of um, activities where either you want your child to be sat at the table or doing an activity with you, or it could be things like going on a train journey or at a wedding. We've all been there with children where you know they've got to sit at a a table of some description for a period of time and you're thinking, oh my goodness, how on earth am I going to get them to stay sat still doing something for just that five minutes whilst the best man's speaking at the wedding or that two hour long journey on a train where I don't want to be up and down the aisles so that chapter is all for that different activities you can do where you sat at a table with limited resources and fun things that the kids can be engaged in and then for things at home there's sort of rainy day imaginative play chapter which is all of that sort of either small world play or role play activities that you can do like um, there's one where you can be a nail salon. So you, you draw around the child's hand. This one's great for them. So you draw around the child's hand on some cardboard, they cut them out, and then they draw around where the nails would be, and then you get some paint that can be the nail varnish, and then they or you could use real real nail varnish if your child wasn't going to do anything with it, and then they can have a go at painting it. But the idea is they've got to pretend, you know, to talk to the person and say Oh, hello. How are you? How's your day been? How would you like your nails today? And then they have a go at painting their nails and pampering that person. So it was loads of different role play activities. I've tried to make it fun. So there's things like a tuck shop maths activity. So they've got to set up their own tuck shop in the house. And through that, they've got to sell sweets to you or you can sell sweets to them. I said sweets because I knew that one would be engaging, but obviously you can do fruit if you'd prefer. The idea that they've got to use their math skills, they've got to use the communication skills and pretend going to that shop and buying some sweets from you. And I found doing a sweet shop is very, very engaging for children. You'd be surprised how quick they can be with their money when they want to buy some sweets off you. So, yeah, that was that yeah. one's a really fun one. So there's lots there's lots of ones like that. And then there's, there's a whole sensory play section at the back, um, which are indoor and outdoor ones, but different ways to help your child if they're feeling overstimulated and you're wanting to help them relax before bedtime, perhaps, and things, different ways you can with Play-Doh and with sand or different things you can make up that are really relaxing and therapeutic for kids. So yeah, there's lots of different indoor activities in there.
0: I do find when you're trying to do money with your children and it's for school, it's quite boring, but if you're in a gift shop, suddenly they're very gifted with their maths
1: Absolutely, and basically. they can
0: suddenly work out exactly how much stuff is and how much their pocket money is and how much they'd have left and how many weeks worth of pocket money it will take to buy something. You're like, suddenly you're very good at math because you want that cuddling or that soft thing or those sweets. It's amazing. Or Great if you've a, a sibling
1: who's got more than them, then they can suddenly work that out as well. That's a good one. I like if you've got siblings, it's good to sort of do a bit of competition and work out who's got the most amount of money from that.
0: That's always, that was always a nightmare. My, my daughters always hated one hand more than the other. It was always, it's like, you have got more than your sister. Please don't tell her. I, Please just don't mention that, okay. please. It was always, as you said, that sitting there at the wedding or sitting somewhere where you've just got going, you need to, for the world needs you to sit down. I'm quite happy for you to run around, but everyone else needs you to be. It is, how can you do that? What is it you can do to occupy them? And that is quite a challenge.
1: It is, absolutely. Um, yeah, and Doc, you say doctor's
0: surgeries, the waiting room—that's always that's always the most cringy one. Yeah,
1: airplanes are tough, aren't they? I know we've not not many of us have experienced airplanes recently, but hopefully we will do soon. And yeah, I think sitting sitting on an airplane with a child is, is tough going, isn't it? And it's it's that pressure more from other people, like you say, the feeling we'd be all right with them running around the aisles but it's just that peer pressure from other people and thinking oh gosh I really don't want them to be running around as much and I need I don't want them to annoy that man who's sat there looking at them and I just want them to be able to sit even for a little bit of time and occupy themselves or occupy them from me and yeah it's working out little little ways and tricks and I hope my book can help relieve a bit of stress hopefully and have yeah, I'd love the idea that someone would put it in their bag on a train journey and think, I feel a little bit more relaxed from having it in their bag, thinking, right, if, if something goes wrong and we've got to stay on that train for a little bit longer or or on the aeroplane and they're not sleeping and I've got to find a way of entertaining them, I've got my book and I've got a way that I can keep them entertained. And that you don't need very, I've tried to make it so you don't need lots of resources. So you, you know, I'm not suggesting you bring with you a whole host, <laughs> this bag full of sequins and play-doh but things that you've got around you to actually um, entertain
0: them i've just thought an activity that might not be in your book Go for it, Dale. it's on that train journey mm-hmm. get the book out yeah and talk about the activities in the book what yeah. Shall we do when we get there because i do find with children actually one of the ways because we've we've had the plane journeys and um, my wife was really good she put so much effort in so we're like we literally got something for so every half an hour, there was something we could pull out. Brilliant. So it was, they might have chosen a magazine two weeks ago that went away.
1: <laughs> <Ta-da>. <laughs> so
0: it'd be like Ta-da, Pringles, Ta-da. but it was always there was something. So we know one of my child would be happy to watch a film on a plane, the other one 20 minutes in, are we there yet? It was, she just couldn't maintain a film, however, the film was, she just couldn't watch it. It's just, she was always the challenge, and so it was like every half hour something new had to be there coloring uh, sometimes we just sat there and right where are we going what do you want to do do you know where we go and just talking about where we're going and talking about what we might be doing and just talking about that and going do you remember when we went here we went to that swimming pool yeah well, there's an even bigger one here and then as you tell me about what she did and i just do find that sometimes when you're in those situations talking about what you want to do or where you're going yeah so my daughter does struggle to sleep sometimes and she'll be worrying about something. And I, and one of her books, which I hated because it took so long was as a book called you choose. So it's where would you live? And then there'd be a picture double page spread
1: yeah.
0: of just millions of different houses. So it'd literally be a whole thing. And in the top right corner would be the moon, with a little ha- moon base on it, oh. or you'd be in the foot in the jungle or in the city or on an Island or in the mountains. So you literally, where are you? And the next page, what would your job be what mm-hmm. would you wear what do you shoot literally you just each page would take about 15 minutes she would choose well where do you live daddy here well, why would you live there and you just discuss your reasons and then you go oh do you remember we went on holiday and we stayed somewhere like and it just took so long which meant that five minute book hour or so yeah going through it all and and it was like so when when she struggles sleeping, is I try although we don't have that book anymore and she's now in secondary school, I kind of still do the same thing of yeah. do you remember when on a holiday? Where, where, what do you want to do? Where, what do you want to do on holiday? We, got, we got holiday come summer break, where should we go? Where and she starts about where she'd been, where she'd like to go again. And we just have this conversation. It's kind of that's what she's then left thinking about yeah. when I leave the room. So yeah, okay. 101, getting the book out and yeah. going through those ideas. And because again, it's there in charge.
1: Absolutely. And I said at the start of the introduction that I wanted it to be a bit like a recipe book for play, like the idea that you would you'd be stuck at home, perhaps, and you think, oh, it's raining outside. What on earth are we going to do today? I know a lot of people felt that during the pandemic. <laughs> Didn't we? Like, ah, what are we going to do with our children today? And the idea that you could just get, like if you were going to bake a cake, instead you're sort of thinking about how your play is going to be today and what you're going to do. And you sort of prop it open on the kitchen table, and then you choose out which activities you'd like to do for that day and then it's a bit like a recipe book as well in the sense that the activities you can tweak them i'm not going to be offended if you change one of the activities and do it a little bit different for your child because parents are the experts of their own children aren't they and it will need to be two weeks there's no way all 100 activities are going to be suitable for everybody i can't i can't manage to do that (laughs) and i've tried I have differentiated them the teacher in me has differentiated them at the bottom (laughs) and you know you could extend it by doing this or you know if they need more support you could do this but then yeah, you can tweak it yourself and you can make it how you wanted. like you would a recipe. You might think, oh, we can't have milk in this. We're allergic to milk. Let's put in something dairy free in our recipe. And it's the same thing. I want people to feel that they can sit there with their child and look at the book and think, oh, what are we going to do today? How can we change it so it fits with what we want to do and what we're working on? And then, yeah, and like you say, empowering the child as well to think, "Oh, I've chosen this activity; it's not been forced upon me." Because some children don't like that at all. Some people, some children do love that, and they love the structure of this is what we're doing today. But some children don't, and they would much prefer to be in charge of what they're doing. So, yeah, it gives them that control. Hopefully,
0: I always find with my my children. If you need them to have a shower and get dressed, rather than saying you need to go have a shower and go get dressed, it's like. Right, you need to have a show, you need to get dressed. Which one are you gonna do first?
1: There's options. Whatever.
0: And they will go, oh, well, I'm gonna have a show, then I'll get dressed. Cool. This way you're gonna do it anyway, but you've chosen it and off you. It is that certain level. And I think the last Easter break, the kids didn't seem to want to do anything, so we didn't do anything. And then when they went back to school, they their friends did lots of they came back, well, why don't we do stuff? It's like, you didn't want to do anything. So um this this half term, which we've just started is we we almost have a timetable what are we going to do each day Uh, right when do you want to see your friends talk to them and that's one of them going for a sleepover tonight so we're literally trying to make sure we've got stuff going on which i think helps my daughter otherwise they just drift through the entire week and go oh half term's ended yeah it also helps them because they know what's coming they've been partly in choice of when things will happen and that was an activity on its own.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Planning it, like you say, is an activity, isn't it? And there's it's a lot to be gained from it. You know, speaking about it, planning it, there's a whole host of skills that you're learning just through doing that, aren't you? And yeah. skills that we use as grown-ups as well when we're planning our work or planning our week ahead.
0: So we do. One thing, if, we, if, if we're going away, or even if we're going away somewhere, if we like, we're going somewhere which we think they'll really like. It could be... Uh, we're going to a swimming pool, one of the big ones with all the big slides and stuff, or we're going to a theme park, we generally will find a video someone's recorded of the place Mm -hmm. and we'll put it on the TV. Yeah. And one Mm -hmm. evening we'll sit as a family and watch that video and talk about which rides do we want to go on. And generally that five minute video turns into an hour's work. Oh, do you remember we went there? There is a video of when we went to this place. And it isn't, we just sitting there watching YouTube as a family <laughs> in silence. It is full lot of conversation, talking over every clip, them deciding, oh, can we go watch? Yeah. Is there a bigger roller coaster? And you just, you go down a bit of a YouTube, but it's all around conversation or do you remember this? And it is all that narration of telling the story and things to look forward to. And I mean, when we go somewhere, they're not just sitting there, arriving somewhere going, okay, I have no idea what to do. <laughs> They're already arriving here going let's go here let's go to that slide let's go to that ride i can't wait which means they're going to get more out of the day as well i feel
1: yeah and i think as well talking through things helps if they've got any concerns about the day or any anxieties about things that are upcoming because some children find you know big changes that are things that you're doing that are new very difficult and i think being able to talk about your plans and being able to talk about what you're doing is really powerful because they can then might hopefully feel in that space that they've got the confidence to say, oh, actually, I'm a little bit worried about this or this bit. What will happen then? And you can talk through it, can't you, and sort of relieve any anxieties around things.
0: Yeah, that is a big thing because both my daughters suffer a little bit. Not It's not hugely impacting, but they worry about things. And, again, knowing what to expect. When they're going somewhere they don't know, they kind of get negative. Yeah. And it might take them an hour or so of being there to come out of that negative phase, to almost get comfortable being there to then start to enjoy it.
1: Yeah. So it's
0: the more the I them. Like,
1: you know, when the, we we're talking about our vaccinations early, when I went from a vaccination I hadn't, I haven't driven very many places recently and I remember for me, I, I went on Google, even though I know the place I went to, I went on Google Maps and put where am I going to park? And I planned it, you know, I'm going to park there, right, sorted, and that's how I walk there, brilliant. And we do it, don't we? We plan things. We don't just go somewhere that we've never been before and just get there and be like, right, now what do I do? that would be crazy.
0: <laughs> we, so we, how, how many we teachers <laughs> How many teachers take their partner on school trips, <laughs> a month, six months, a week before they're doing the school trip.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So partner, and they say to the partner, <laughs> "Do you
0: need a toilet? Should we go to the toilet? <laughs>
1: Have we got snacks? go
0: check the. Yeah. You got- <laughs> literally, you are literally. You go through that because it is. It's it, you. You know what to expect. Yes. So yeah, a number of times my wife's taken me on school trips to some <laughs> museum. I'm going. Really, we're going to that museum. There's nothing there. And it's I've been there before and I've been to the museum twice and I didn't like it both times. (laughs) We went, Um, but it is, you do, we all do that as adults. We literally like to research things and technology is amazing because you can now go to anywhere in the world and have a map on your hand, which will tell you exactly where to go. You can literally, wherever you are in the world, you'll know where the nearest toilets are, the nearest bank, the nearest everything, your hotel, You can just do everything you look at your phone and it will take you there imagine going to some random country 20 years ago and just having no idea and trying to find a hotel it's just the world seems so much smaller but i'm also so much more confident knowing that if all else fails i've got google maps sometimes you go for it without google maps yeah i'm gonna go find this place and off you go
1: yeah yeah. I get lost I wouldn't do that I'd be useless that is not my skill set at all I remember having to print off directions in the university holidays just when satnav was sort of coming out and I remember printing off directions from google so that I could get myself to my friend's house and like having to stop and look at my directions and when sat-navs came out being like oh thank goodness I'm not going to get lost because the amount of times got lost and if you've got a set of directions and you get lost it's it's almost impossible to find your way because it's not a map, but it just says you should have gone left back whenever that was. And you don't know what you've done. So yeah.
0: <laughs> and lots of things I mentioned earlier about the things my parents did. And one of the things my, we always, we used to live in Croydon and there's the mainline station was East Croydon station. And we'd be going up to London, which is always an adventure. And my dad would go, I'll go get the tickets. You work out which train we're catching. So I was left, not far from him, like a couple <laughs> of meters, but left looking at this departures board going uh london victoria and just trying to work it out and really finding it uh, okay we got platform one cool off we go it's always platform one (laughs) it took me about 15 times of doing this to learn it was always platform one you never needed to look it was going to be about 10 minutes because they always were stopped and but it just gave me the confidence to when i was a very young age to go and look yeah and i was in primary school when we started doing this so i was quite young and We'd go, right, so we're actually going to um, Earl's Court. How do we get to Earl's Court? So I'd be on the train and I'd get look at the tube map and work out we need to get the green line or the yellow line to go to here. And so we'd do this and my dad would let me lead the way. So when we get to the stations, where are we going to go? Look for the green and yellow. So I'd be looking up going, oh, there's a sign and off I'd go. And then when I'm 17, 18, I said, shall we go up to London with my friends? They're like, London? We're in Croydon on the outskirts of London. I said, yeah, hey, go up to London. They're like... Not sure about that. I'm like, why? It's London. I'm going, yeah. (laughs) Uh, We just get a train. Which train. We're platform one, obviously. Yeah. How do you know? Well, it's always platform one. How do you? And just realizing these things, the sitting in the car with that London A to Z and traveling and just being that look at here and going here and being in charge and looking. It's given me so much confidence of just, yeah, I'll be all right. And it and was, I can just go somewhere
1: Yes, well. you were in essentially that was it was a play it was a game you were doing wasn't it? Yeah. and that's and there's no pressure on that and i think that's really useful for children because play there's no pressure it's relaxing you enjoy it you know it didn't matter if you got it wrong and as a grown-up when you're doing it it does matter if you get it wrong because if you get it wrong you'd end up lost but yeah for a child it doesn't matter and then you've learned it by having that confidence that it's okay to get it wrong and try again and then as you've grown up, it's being easy enough to be able to do it then and have the confidence.
0: But, but I think we got on the wrong tube one time, went the wrong direction. And my dad obviously knew it, but it kind of let me make the mistake. And you're like, So which station are we at? With this one. Cool. Why are we here? But making
1: mistakes is, is brilliant for Yeah, different. so it's we then
0: had to get off and get the added ten minutes to the day. But I had, something went wrong. I had to. We had to work out what I'd done wrong, and then oh, okay. So I've got to pay attention to that next time because I just went on the green line. I didn't know there's a clockwise and an anti-clockwise. I just went, and just things like that. And it was just, and did not appreciate it at the time doing these things and the confidence it's given me. Whereas I just go even my adult life. I I talk to people are a bit nervous, and you're like, why are you nervous? Just do this, and they're like, never done that. Yeah. So yeah, it's those little play things going out in the woods, just going right, well, which way are we going to go
1: Yeah,
0: and going off and we go off in the woods and I've somehow have like an inbuilt compass in my head. So I, I could be nowhere I know, but I know roughly we, the car park has got to be over that way and I'll be able to walk that way. So my not can go anywhere you want. I've never been here before, <laughs> but what's the worst that's going to happen? We're in a national trust place. We're not going <laughs> to die of starvation. Yeah, we've got some drinks on us. What's the worst that's going to happen? We're going to have a really long walk instead of a long walk. Yeah. That's the worst thing. So generally, it's when you're doing these things is what could go wrong? And Generally, you've just got to allow time. That's the thing. You go and go, we've got half an hour to fill. I'd sit there and go, okay, let's start this activity. Let's see where it takes us.
1: And it's that learning through play with the comfort net of your parents or whoever's looking after you and realising that if you go wrong, it doesn't matter, everything will be okay. And, and that builds such self-esteem and self-confidence in children's ability, doesn't it? Then them trying new things in a stressful situation that they could, if it fails, it would matter, is, is, much, is much more damaging for a child than if they're doing it with a comfort net.
0: My daughter, It's that anxiety of, I don't know, there's a whole lot I don't know. Um, but my daughters have anxiety, and I sit there and I feel like I've really supported and given them lots of opportunities. And we went to the pub yesterday, and you know when someone says "Have a nice day," and you reply with "You too," don't you? <laughs> Sorry, so say, have don't a nice day. day, and you're like <laughs> you, "You too, too said, you yeah. too." So let's try this: Have a nice day. You too. <laughs> then you go enjoy your meal.
1: You too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the waitress put my daughter's food down and said enjoy your meal my daughter went you too <laughs> and they kind of died inside
1: oh bless
0: her i said i do that so often yeah. i've done it getting on a plane enjoy your flight you too mm. even though you're not flying anywhere um and you just do it and it's just but i was like the fact she's done it and made that really fun mistake
1: yeah
0: and then was able to i think it helps because she's like no one died no
1: nothing bad happened <laughs> it was okay
0: you're right and I think there is this thing of that sense of failure and if you fail the world will come crumbling down I think is so big for children and you watch you think of um there was a I think early in lockdown there was a child who was at college who committed suicide because his grades weren't quite good enough and he had no idea and covid was going to cause and you're literally thinking, this fear of failure is so big in their world. And you kind of got to sit there and go, Hey, it's okay to fail. Yeah. So you've got to let them almost fail in a little way so they can see actually nothing's happened, but I always, think you've got to show them you can fail.
1: Yes. I think that's really valuable. It's the same as us being able to say, sorry, if we make a mistake, isn't it? With to our children and say, sorry, you know what you are right. I'm wrong. And then realize that we're all. Human, and we make mistakes, and yeah, we can fail. They can fail. Everyone can fail because no one's perfect. And I think we, we've got to—we can't put our children on a pedestal that make them think that there's, they've got to live up to expectations that we can't live up to ourselves, can we? They're people just like us, and they're going to make mistakes, and they just need to know that we're here to support them when they do, and that we're here to help them when they do, and that it will be okay. Most of the time.
0: yes. <laughs> We went on a holiday a couple of years ago when you could back in the hazy day of travel. We went to Denmark, we're in Copenhagen, and you know, you just you just quickly read something, and your bright your brain kind of tells you what it wants it to say. And I read it as an open blah, 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 roast beef sandwich with blah blah blah. I thought perfect roast beef, love it. And my daughter went, You sure? I went, Yep. Didn't reread it, I just went, yep. And she's looking at me going really (laughs) okay and i went off to have my my other daughter didn't like any of the sandwiches we had to get pizza for her because she's a little bit fussy so that was fine and i come back and there's my sandwich and i'm looking at it in complete disgust (laughs) because it wasn't a roast beef sandwich or an open it was an open rare beef sandwich
1: Mm.
0: when you think rare you're thinking a rare steak aren't you yeah no this was literally they bought a packet of burgers taken the burger out and put it on the bread, <laughs> not an ounce of heat in it. It was pure raw beef. And I literally just looked at it and she went, what's that? she went, we also going, I wondered why you ordered it. I went, it said roast. She went, no, it said rare. And I'm going, <laughs> oh my God. And I literally had to look at it and she goes, oh, I won't let her. She went, you went, no, if you don't try it. Said, oh God, that's come back to bite me in the butt. And I had to bite it. I had to taste it and it was absolutely grim. Oh. <laughs> You didn't eat it all, did you? Did you then tell them- No, I had one bite. I went, That's disgusting. Anyone else want to bite? They were going, obviously no. And I went, Yeah, sometimes I order something I don't like. But
1: <laughs> the teachable children, I've made a mistake. We shall all learn from it.
0: <laughs> never order anything out of the UK which says the word rare. Because <laughs> often it's completely yeah I don't even cook it, just rare. Just mince meat together. It was horrible. I don't know how anyone eats that, but it was. It was I completely made a mistake. Yeah. And my daughter knew before I even made a mistake that I'd made a mistake, and watched me go through it, and then how I dealt with it. It wasn't like this is the end of the world, or yeah, and it's just things like that. And it well, is that
1: is how they learn, isn't it? By seeing how you dealt with it. If you'd have had a complete meltdown over this, shouted at the waiter, and spat out your food and caused the right scene then they would think oh gosh is that what we're supposed to do if that happens to us whereas you're calm and within reason and say oh gosh that's disgusting but you know it's not the end of the world it will be okay then they they learn from us don't they and they learn that that's how to deal with it and part of my book one of the key skills so at the bottom of each activity there's like a little box it has lots of different skills and it ticks which ones that activity helps the child develop so and there's one for like emotional regulation, that side of things, and this resilience and this being able to make mistakes and learn from them and be able to think of strategies as they get older that can help them learn to relax. And things like that sort of teach children resilience, don't they? And that idea that if you go wrong, things will be okay. And it's a really important skill. And I think there's been a lot of talk about it during the pandemic, hasn't there? Like children needing, needing more resilience because of it. And I think children are a lot more resilient than we've given them credit for. But there's no harm in helping them have more skills and ha- keep building these skills and these strategies that as grown-ups, we use all the time to help us deal with difficult situations. And they need them more now than ever, don't they? And there's a lot of the sensory play activities that help with emotional regulation and that side of things. But there's other ones as well. And I think hopefully people, if you were looking for an activity for emotional regulation and that side of things, you could flick through the book and look at the ones that have got the tick on that and think, oh, yes. We, we can do those activities and help with that so hopefully it will help
0: that's a good idea i think my daughters i see resilience as two things it says resilience of being in an uncomfortable situation and just getting on with it which my daughters a king of because i i worked from home and i'd go up and see my daughters and i'd sit my head in the room and basically see my daughter in front of her laptop a bit like where we are now mm-hmm. and then you can see the teacher and everything else is black and they've got their head and that's literally that's them for eight hours a day or six wow. hours and you're literally going that's not nice. No. The fact my daughter is putting through up with this, that's quite good resilience. Yeah. And I got them to sue and I literally went, is that what you're like? Yeah. I went, right. I think you need to phone a friend. They're like, what do you mean? I went, I literally think you need to have your phone next to your laptop
1: mm-hmm.
0: with your friend muted. So you can't hear each other, but just so you can have, you know, that you do it. You are having a meeting, you just, you, know, you just give your friend a glance. What is this? Yeah, just so she had that connection, and I think from that point on, both my daughters generally had a friend. Sometimes when it was right, let's do you go right. You got twenty minutes, and my daughter would unmute her phone, and then they would get on with activity, but they were able to talk to someone else. And I think that really helped. But I think yeah, so there's resilience of being in uncomfortable situations and having to kind of get on with it. I think my daughters over the last year are really good at that now. Yeah, but that failure, that sense of being able to fail and it being okay and having a go. Yeah. Even if it's not going to work out, I think we've got a long way to go on that.
1: Yeah. It's tricky. Still, I think most grownups have a long way to go on it to be fair. Don't we? It's hard.
0: And it is, it's really hard when, when you're a child, the future is rosy. Mm -hmm. And as, as you get older, that rose tintedness just really disappears. And you end up with like a Mad Max future looking at you of, it's like, There's no jobs. I can't move out. I can't do anything. Uh, uh, And it just does. So you go from very happy to really it's not looking. So you can't rose tint it for them. And you've kind of got to help them to go. Well, yeah, if you give up now, you're really going to go nowhere, but you've got to have a go. You've got to try and see where you're going to go, where you're going to end up, what you want to do. Because the other thing is, is, and the podcast I did with Alison Knowles is about why we are the way we are, which is a great three word letter title. And it was like your experiences are shaped from your parents' experiences. So your children are watching you and your partner and seeing what you do and how, your jobs and how you live your life and the holidays you go on. And that's going to say, so this is what I'm going to be when I'm older. Yeah. And you create this tunnel from all your experiences. And her thing was about you, you, it doesn't have to be a tunnel. There is no tunnel apart from what you've made in your mind
1: yeah
0: your parent might have been a senko but you could be an astronaut or a comedian or playing a mariachi band mm-hmm. or uh be a cleaner or a road there's no limit apart from what you put on yourself
1: yeah
0: and it was a whole actually you kind of got to give your children confidence to do what they want absolutely and then support them and when, when your children were young and they fell over, did you run over to the moment they fell over with that look of panic on your face?
1: To start with, you do, don't you? It's when they're, when they're really little, oh my goodness, the panic. The first time your baby falls and bangs the head. Oh.
0: <laughs> you're at the hospital 10 minutes later. X-ray, please, I need everything. Yeah. Then as they get older, you realise, A, they're bound, and B, they kind of look for you, don't they? They fall over yeah. and they look at you. And if your face is a sheer terror, <laughs> they'll burst into tears.
1: Yeah,
0: But if you're like it's all right. They'll go, okay, so this happens. Although it's hurting, it's not the end. Of, okay. And they kind of see how you react. And so if you are telling them to have a go at something, when they fail, don't rush to save them as well. It's, it, it, we're not in the falling over knees, but we are maybe they're having a go at something. And it's not, it's you've got to give them the chance to stand up and, sort themselves out
1: giving them those strategies as well of ways that we deal with it so you know like we've had a stressful day we might sit down and relax and watch some tv or we might do a paint by numbers or do you know what i mean we might do something that helps us relax and i think it's giving children these strategies as well to help them not expecting them to be able to be resilient and be able to solve and to be okay after something bad's happened but to be able to use strategies to help them as well. You know, it's useful not drinking a glass of wine on an evening. I'm not suggesting that, but useful strategies and you know, healthy strategies that can help us relax, like exercise or yoga, or listening to some music, or like you say, chatting to a friend when they're on a call with school and finding it a bit <laughs> tough going, having some outlet, some way of relaxing for them. And my book, I think, does help a little bit with that for younger children in, in different ways. If they've had a really stressful day, then perhaps on an evening perhaps doing some sort of sand play or doing some water play or doing some sort of sensory activity that can help them switch off. And the idea being not just that we're always giving them these activities, but as they grow up, they might realize that for them, water is brilliant. Water is the thing that can help them calm down. And that might be then when they're sort of our age, having a relaxing bath on an evening after a stressful day will relax them. It's not probably going to be playing with boats in a tough tray with some water. (laughs) But the idea that these strategies that we give them now and the strategies they see us using, we can weave in through their play and then they can learn as they grow up how to calm themselves down and be resilient.
0: Yeah, and I think when we think about those relaxing, all those strategies, paint by numbers, all the stuff you generally is with all of them, they are very predictable. Mm-hmm. You generally, you're picking activities where you know this is what's gonna happen, this is the end result. I can kind of turn my head off, yep. brain off, and just relax and know what, there's no challenge, there's yep. no surprises it's very predictable and that's what everyone finds relaxing and for younger generation tech can give them that And certain games so i'm not saying just give them an ipad but i know for my nephews minecraft is relaxing because they know exactly what's going to happen there are things with our gaming online not online game with other people because like fortnite is not predictable which is why it's very stressful because you could be going for the win and then you lose not happy but games like minecraft or kind of where they're very rule-based can be very relaxing so games where it's not unpredictable not relaxing games it's not to me minecraft is lego where you're not limited on how many Lego pieces you can afford.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've got the Lego version of Minecraft. The sort of it's what is it? Lego, LEGO Worlds or Lego Creator something on the PlayStation, and that's is pretty much the same. But it's Lego builds. It literally is, like you say. The kids have been given loads of Lego on the screen to actually build worlds and create, and that's very relaxing. I, I it think. is.
0: You, you can literally. I, I, my daughters. I, I refuse to play it. I would lose weeks. <laughs> so my daughters are playing, and I'm like, how good is this? And so my daughter went to bed and, um, there was a lake and I dug down next to this lake and dug a huge pit and then basically made a room with a glass wall and a glass ceiling. So it was completely sealed. And then I destroyed the barrier between the lake and the big hole I've built (laughs) and basically I made an underwater room and then I, as I did it all, the water came over and covered the entire room. And then I took, so it was one giant lake. And then I went back and walked down the steps I made, walked this room and it was completely dry underwater with fish swimming above me. And I was like, this is really cool. I'm I'm going to go to bed now and turn this (laughs) off and I'm never going to come back.
1: But in doing so, you weren't able to think about anything stressful, any work, anything about the pandemic or anything, because you were just focused on drilling down and making that room.
0: Yeah. I lost a couple of hours. And then I was like, Oh, could I do this next? Or could I do this? And I literally, and it was really for me, my head was wondering what ifs Mm -hmm. and what should I do next or how long would it take? And I, it was completely, I lost two hours. It was very relaxing. So yes, tech isn't evil or great. It's somewhere in the middle. It's what you do with it.
1: Absolutely. And how much of it you do as well, isn't it? Yeah, Limited.
0: so um, yeah, I'm not someone who says everything is great on tech because I've watched my daughters play Fortnite. I've watched their language, and we do have to have breaks from Fortnite, but generally so the other games they play, they're building stuff, right? and it's not just dismissing what they're doing, it's having that conversation. So if they've just built something in Minecraft, that's something to talk about at dinner because there's a whole load of things they're really excited about, and they can then say, well, we did this, and then what happened? War case, what really happened? What happened? and you've got the whole storytelling bit.
1: Yeah, I've actually done, because um, I, I do private tutoring as well. And as part, one of the children that I tutor is really into Minecraft, and as one of, one of our lessons. We actually just, it was one of the introductory lessons, and I was getting to know her, and I wanted her to feel more comfortable um, with me, especially as we met over a screen, because it was during the pandemic. So we started tutoring through Zoom, which, it's tricky initially to sort of get that connection isn't it with somebody so we did it on minecraft and the whole activity i knew nothing about minecraft so she was the expert in it and she was able to tell me about it and i found some pictures from google images of minecraft and she had to tell me bits about it and then write about it and we got so much work done it was brilliant and she felt i hope that she felt that i was sort of interested in her and interested in what she was interested in and something she was able to tell me about and talk about and not feel like she wasn't the expert in it because actually she was the expert I wasn't the expert at all and she was teaching me in a way but still doing lots of literacy activities through it I think it's realizing what children are interested in isn't it and sort of engaging with them on their level as well
0: yeah definitely so I'm going to say a big thank you for coming to, on the show today, Georgina.
1: Thank you for having really me. I
0: really enjoyed it. I only got some of my bingo card filled in with the activities. That's through all 100. But that would be giving away your book if you got through all 100. And Georgina has given me some links to share. So there's obviously a link to her book, 100 Ways Your Child Can Learn Through Play. And she's also a tutor. But you've also got the Send Resources blog, haven't you?
1: Yes, which is my my little website. that I started it a few years ago just as sort of, it was when I started tutoring after I was a SENCO and I thought I wanted somewhere to put all of these ideas and activities and resources and ways to help children with special educational needs initially it was just for the parents of the children I was tutoring just as a website because they'd be like oh Georgina what would you recommend for this and I'd be like oh let me find it and I thought actually no let's put it on a website and then I can just direct them to there and then it just became a bigger thing than I was expecting it to be um, which is quite lovely but yeah, so during the pandemic in particular, there was about a thousand people a day visiting it, which is crazy, and I've no idea how that happened. But yeah, it's been wonderful, and this it's just got reviews of loads of resources, like books, children's books, books for grown ups, um, toys, learning resources, and then it's got home learning activities, activities you can do in school, activities you can do at home to help develop these skills, which is where the book sort of came from. And then advice as well. So there's a few like guest posts from other people, and then posts from myself giving like bits of advice um, on key topics such as things like sleep and yeah emotions and that side of things. And then there's also um, a YouTube channel connected to it that I started during lockdown, which is called Ways to Learn Through Play. So it's similar to my book, but there's different. Throughout lockdown, I don't know how it did, but um, each day during the when the schools were closed, I recorded a video every single day of a learning activity that you could do with your children at home, and a lot of Schools are very kind in putting it on their school websites on the special needs area and sort of sending people my way. So it was a really positive time. I actually really enjoyed helping people and seeing children. I got lots of photographs sent in of children doing some of the activities. And
0: excellent, it was
1: lovely. It gave me a bit of focus.
0: Excellent. It's always good when you get that sort of feedback, isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. you think I can reach the children I I'm, I see.
1: Yeah. Actually, you, know well. you can
0: reach so many.
1: Yeah. It was lovely.
0: So. The links to all of those will be on the show notes, so you can access them there. And also, I'm going to be sharing Georgina's contact details so you can get hold of her and leave her a book review uh, and add some the next hundred activities. <laughs> um, so, thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe. You can find links to subscribe across all the different podcast platforms on our website, which is www.thesendcast.com. And please follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at the Sendcast, and on Facebook and Instagram, we are the Sendcast. And if you listen to us through iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review and let others know what you think. Before we go, I would just like to remind you to check out the Training for Education website. You'll find a number of guests on the Sendcast, our speakers at our virtual Send conferences. And Training for Education is a great way to get CPD for all staff, not just the Senco, all staff around SEND that is effective and affordable. Visit www.trainingforeducation.com for more information. And as an exclusive gift to Sendcast listeners, you can get 10% discount on the virtual Send conferences, future or past, just by using the code Sendcast10. So, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Syncast. It's goodbye from me.
1: And goodbye from me. <laughs>